Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you, band. You guys were amazing. Thank you so much. I was so, um, <clears throat> I was actually at the edge of my seat because a lot of what I was going to share, Kelsey started sharing. Again, it's happening this week. So I know God is on something, um, but I really do believe that um, what Kelsey has done has prepared your hearts. And, and you'll understand in today's message as to why it was important. And we've, we've not spoken about what she was going to do, or in fact, we never do. <laughs> we don't plan, um, but we, Kelsey is free um, to communicate what God is leading her to do. And I love that about her. And I honor her for communicating freely to, um, to our family. And so don't you love that? Don't you love that? It's yeah, good. You know, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's hard to clap when you think you're getting corrected. It's hard to celebrate when you think you're being corrected. Unless you understand that you're not being corrected, but you're being taught. You know, God chastises those he loves. And oftentimes, we've always interpreted that as God corrects me. When I do something wrong, he chastises. Chastise in Greek is translated as the word teaching. So God teaches those whom he loves. So the intensity at which Kelsey was sharing today is not because of anger, but it's because of love. So in our church, it's easy when we receive teaching to clap because... Nobody's taking offense at what is being spoken. In fact, we know that it's good for us. So it's good to see some friends in the house today. It's really nice to see them here. We bless you, all those who are here for the first time also. And we just want to say hi uh, to all those who are joining us online. We love you. We bless you. This church loves you. Pastor Global, you're phenomenal. And uh, if you're not part of Life Church Global and you're watching us and you're in this city or this nation, we have some of the finest people in this house. They're very humble. They don't like to acknowledge it, but I have to tell you that we have some of the finest people in the UAE in this house. And uh, they will be more than happy to welcome you and make you feel at home uh, when you join us for the first time, second time, third time, how many other times you want to come. Even this is even if you've been the foundation of this church also, we will make you feel loved. And uh, I really love this church. It's, it is God's house. And we just want to welcome you to God's house. This is his family. We are his family. And each and every person here is family to us. So there's always something special that takes place when we gather together to worship God. Worship aligns our hearts to who God is. When we have sound and we have lyrics or word, when they come together, it has a capacity or a grace to align each and every person's heart to the reality of who God is. So when you think about it in the form of singing or whether you think about it in the form of clapping, whether you think of it in the form of giving financially, it aligns your heart to the reality of God. So which means God reveals in worship who he is and we respond to that revelation. And every time we respond to that revelation, our hearts become aligned to the reality of who God is. So today the title of my message is The Reality of God. So I'd love for you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I mean, this is a super, super familiar verse if you're part of this church. So verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, and do not <laughs> be conformed to this world. So being conformed to the world is your choice. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul says that you are being transformed by, he's saying be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed, which is your decision now, by the renewing of your mind. So the renewal of the mind presents a transformation that will take place in your life. And that transformation is into the image and likeness of Christ who today has a resurrected body and can do things that is humanly impossible. Are you okay with that? Okay. So he's saying, so Paul is saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So tra transformation first begins in the mind before you experience it in the body. So when I'm talking about mind, I'm talking about the faculty of where you perceive, where you process, and how you think. It's the faculty in your mind. Your mind is the faculty that processes things. It perceives things. It understands things. And it instructs the body to behave in a certain pattern. So transformation into the image and likeness of Jesus starts when your mind is renewed by the word of God. So the word of God, which is scripture or revelation that we read, gives us an opportunity to become like your savior. So you know when you are being transformed is that you begin to see the patterns, the character, the nature of Jesus in and through your life. A lot of times we have expectations of other people to be like Jesus, but I want to uh, encourage you to first look inwards. So transformation, or the Greek word metamorphosis, is a permanent process. A caterpillar cannot transform into a butterfly and decide now, I am a caterpillar. So when the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, it is not even the caterpillar's decision to become a butterfly. When your mind is renewed by the word of God, transformation into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, the Christ, is a permanent effect. You cannot decide to be like the old man again. You are transformed. Metamorphosis. You've gone through the process. Listen to me very carefully. Not even realizing you've become a butterfly. So, transformation comes through the renewing of your mind. So, renewing of the mind takes place by the word of God. When you receive the word of God into your mind, that word enters into your mind and that's when you come into play. You have an opportunity now to decide whether this word stays or this word goes. And it's based on what I choose to keep from the old. I'd love to submit to you that scripture is the reality of God in the form of text. So when we look into the scripture, when we look into 
the Bible or we receive revelation from the word of God, we are receiving now a revelation of who God is. Not who he was, who God is. So, we are transformed into the image and likeness of who we behold. So the reality of God or truth in, in truth is means the reality of God. So every time I receive truth from the word of God and I look into the word of God, now I'm looking into something or someone that I've already become. It's the butterfly looking into the scripture as a mirror that reveals that it's no longer a caterpillar. Why is the reality of God important to us? The reality of God is very, very important to us because the natural state of humanity is corruption. The natural state of humanity, the human nature, the Adamic man is to corrupt because he was corrupted. So if you are processing the reality of God from a state of humanity, then I will question your transformation. A lot of us are processing scripture. When we look into scripture, we think we are human beings, flawed and in need of God. And that's why we go to scripture. But the new creation, who you are already transformed into, looks at scripture very differently. Let me show you this in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. But we all with unveiled face. You know what Kelsey was talking about? You see how, how, I love, how I love what God is doing? But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Come on now, I'm going to repeat that again. But we all with unveiled face. That unveiled face, that what is the veil? The veil is our humanity. The veil is our flawed nature. The veil is our offense, our bitterness, our anger, all the sin issues, all the drama that we have that restricts us from being who God created us to be, the new creation, who he created us to be, all of that stuff. Every time we bring that veil before God and we look at scripture, we look at Christ, we look at God, ladies and gentlemen, all you'll see is your human nature. But when you remove your human nature, you start from glory. But we all with unveiled face, beholding, looking as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. You are beholding glory. You're not looking for something that is just... I'm looking for a story to encourage me now. I'm looking in the Bible for, for something that can like make me feel good because I need to do my 30 minutes of Bible reading every day. No. You're looking and beholding. When you behold God in his glory, you've got to behold him from a glorious state. See, transformation into the image and likeness, God is constantly evolving. He's a progressive God. And as a progressive God, if you read through Revelation, he's always revealing and heaven is always responding. 
So the, the natural state of the new creation in Christ Jesus is the one that is constantly beholding and becoming. But in order for you to behold and become into the new creation, right? A progressive new creation, just like your heavenly father, you can't look at scripture and the glory of God with your humanity. You've got to remove all that drama. You've got to have a clean heart. What Kelsey was talking about. You've got to have a clean heart when you look at the glory of God. Because when you look at the glory of God with a clean heart, now ladies and gentlemen, you are transformed into the very glory you behold. See, a, a, a butterfly, right? A butterfly does not know it's a butterfly until it looks in the mirror and sees itself as a butterfly. So it's like this, when you start working out with Try Life for a couple of months, you're working out and you're not really noticing any change in your body. And then, you know, maybe three, four months in, you're still working out and all that kind of stuff. And you're still wearing the same clothes. You're shopping for the same sizes. You're eating the same kind of food and everything is the same. But then suddenly one day you're about to get into the shower and you walk past the mirror and you're like, hold on a minute. Hello, where have you been? <laughs> See, but you did not know what you looked like until you saw yourself in the mirror. You're still thinking about hello. <laughs> right? See, people can come to you and say, oh, you've lost so much weight. What is your secret? But you have no clue that you've lost so much weight until you see yourself in the mirror. See, but you're looking in the mirror at someone who has already become. Not someone that you're becoming. When Jesus says, the father and me are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. What is he saying? He's, saying, he's not saying, oh, the father and me are becoming one. Jesus in, was fully man and fully God. But yet he had the, let me just say this, the spiritual audacity to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and me are one. So in the same context, when we look at transformation, here what, what Paul is trying to say is the renewing of the mind means you're looking into the mirror as to, to see someone who you have already become. Are you with me? Now, I would love for you to go to Matthew chapter 13. Kelsey was there as well. Right, we're, we're kind of familiar with this story, right? Just for those who are, who are new, you know, Jesus shares a parable and in the parable, he talks about, you know, a farmer went to sow, uh, sow seed, right? The farmer went to sow seed and he sowed seed on four different types of soil. The first soil is the, called the wayside, which means it's the pathway, a road. And the, another soil is stony ground, which means under, under, it's like a lot of Christians look like this. They look really good on the outside, but underneath there's foundation stone, right? And, and then the third type of soil is people, Christians who really love the cares of the world. They're interested in, in what happens with the Democrats and the Republicans and what is the coronavirus doing now in which state and what is next coming out. All that cares of the world, it's all in there. Okay? And then there's the good ground, which is you. Just wait. I think you've... You, you, you know that something's coming. So you don't want to clap also. So it's okay. <laughs> right? So, so we have these four grounds. And so the farmer comes and sows the seed. And it falls on these, these four types of soil. And Jesus says, verse 8. He says, but, but the others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Okay? Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And verse nine says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Why does he need to drop that in? Because ears is the faculty of perception. Hearing is your ability to understand. Ears, he who has ears to hear. I mean, who doesn't have ears to hear? But it determines how you hear. He who has ears to hear, how do you perceive things that he is saying? Right? Determines how you'll understand. Understanding, ladies and gentlemen, is a position from what you have heard. Understanding is the position from what you have heard. So which means if I say that you are good ground, I'm not saying that you are becoming good ground now. So if you, are, if you have the ability to understand, you are, like Kelsey was saying, you're connecting the dots very fast. So the ability to produce 30, 60, 100 deter is determined by how fast you understand. And how fast you understand is determined by how much of your mind and your soul is unrenewed. So when God is communicating to me and you, and I'm looking at what he's saying, I'm hearing what he's saying, I am seeing myself based on what he is saying. And understanding means that I'm choosing to live my life from that place. When we talk about perception, it means when I'm hearing, I'm not just hearing what Jesus is saying, I'm hearing what my father is saying to me. And what my father is saying to me, he's, he's defining not just who I will be, but who I have become. And when I receive who I have become, the revelation of who I have become, now in this moment, in that very moment, I am seeing myself living from that place. So if God says, you are my son, a holy nation, a people that is set apart, you can't choose now to behave like a pauper. You are, you, he's communicating to you from the place of your transformation. He's revealing to you that you are a royal priesthood. You don't conduct yourself like a mere human when you've heard that you're a royal priesthood. While you're listening now, you've heard that you're a royal priesthood, you'll be so quick to come into the place where you say, oh, you can look at your life now from this moment on and you can say, okay, that place where it finances, I was living like a pauper. When I go shopping, I was living like a pauper. When I go grocery shopping, I was living like a pauper. Why? Because I was looking for the sales. I was looking for the cheapest things. But when you're royalty, you don't look for the cheapest things. When you know your heavenly father provides for you. See, the goodness of God says, I'm not going to live in fear that God is not going to provide. I'm going to live from the place that he has already provided. That's why I'm going to give. That's why I'm going to live the life that God has called me to live. So when we, when we look at transformation, the renewing of the mind, it begins with the mind. It begins with the mind. See, the body doesn't know that it's a new creation until the mind tells the body that it's a new creation. So, but the, the mind carries in it years and years of culture, tradition. My mommy said this, my daddy said that, and this pastor said this about me, and that happened to me, and this happened to me, and, and then religion on top of all of the culture and traditions and, and the rigmaroles that we go through in our life. And, and I am of this caste, and I am of that caste, and, and I'm this color, and you're this color, and that is your gender, they, them, thou, whatever you want to call them, however you want to call them, they, they come up with all this nonsense only to step away from just being the new creation. 
But when God calls you as a new creation, all these things don't matter. Why? Because you choose to live from the revelation that I don't, I'm not of any religion, I'm not of any caste, I'm not of any creature, I am not of any color. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? So when we talk about transformation, we're talking about God revealing to us who we have already become. So which means the next time you come to church or the next time you look into the glory of God, you look into the word of God, you look into the scripture, you should have already dealt, listen to me very carefully, you should have already dealt with things in your life that were holding you back. See, when we talk about, hey, the first ground, that's hard ground. That's who we are when God saved us. But let me tell you something. In verse, uh, in, in, in the same chapter, in, um, in verse 18, let's go to 18. It says this, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So God is giving you his glory. His glory comes to you in the form of his word. So now I'm communicating the word to you. I'm communicating your glorious state that you are already at. And so now when I'm communicating, you have a choice now to be like, this is so boring. And sure, it can be boring for the ones who have stony ground. The ones who are like the wayside, like people have walked, life has walked over all your life so much that there's, it's, there's, you have no empathy, you have no com- compassion, you have no feeling, you, have, you, don't, you, don't, you don't feel for God. There is no, there is, you're just, your religion has made you so programmed that without those programs, you don't feel anything. And so when you give, it's like, oh, I'm giving my mistake. Or when I worship, it's just like, oh, this is what we do normally. There's no feeling. It's like, ugh. Nothing's happening. You wake up in the morning, Bleh. go to sleep, Bleh. you go to work. Like, it's just like, yeah. You're going through life literally dead. Like, no, you can't relate to people, can't relate to problems, can't relate to kindness, can't relate to generosity. You can't, can't relate to it. No, nothing, no feeling. And those are the people who, when they're receiving the word, are the ones who hear the word but don't understand it. Why? Because they don't understand that this is who God has called me to be. This is who he has made me right now. And I'm understanding how I need to live from this place right now. Are you with me? So then he goes on to say, but those who receive seed on the stony places are those who hear the word and immediately receives it with joy. (laughs) Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. What is he talking about? He's talking about those people who, who have offense, bitterness, anger, jealousy, habits, all that kind of stuff that is that is not dealt with, but yet you love coming to church. You love coming and being in the place. You love receiving the word of God. And you God gives seed liberally and it comes and you so rejoice because you long for this and you love this word. But then as soon as you go out, the word, you don't allow the word to go deep in. You know when the word goes deep in is when you look at places in your heart in your life that remind you of you. That remind you of your past. That remind you of the hurt that sister so-and-so did to me and brother so-and-so. It reminds you. you, you it's like, you know, uh, when Kelsey and I go shopping sometimes, uh, when we're passing through the, uh, sometimes passing by a perfume shop uh, and somebody um, sprays this YSL, it's, it's a nice perfume, I walk past and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of our wedding day. Because that was the perfume that I wore for our wedding day. Please don't, have, don't buy me the perfume. 
Just letting you know. Right? It's like that. We, we come across people who say certain things or people that do certain things and people act in a certain way around us and it reveals to us the hurt from our past experiences, the religion that we've held on to, the culture, the tradition that we don't want to let go. I am a Goan, you're a Mangalorean. We are not Goa, you are South Goa. We come up with all this nonsense, right? We come up with all this nonsense. Right? That reveals to us, you must understand what he is doing. That thing comes to us only to reveal that there's stones underneath. And if you don't deal with it, the word can't go down. See, God's desire for you is to be glorious. God's desire for you is to be glorious. See, some of you can't even fathom what glorious looks like. Because you are so used to your flesh. Some of you can't even think beyond. Like, I have to go bills to pay. I have my studies to do. I have exams to finish. Sure, all of that exists. I'm not saying no. But do they have a control over your mind? See, because when it has a control over your mind, now you have a choice. You can either choose the worry and the anxiety and the hurt and the bitterness and offense and all that stuff that is in your soul that you have experienced. And my God, they are genuine experiences. You have experienced hurt. You have experienced trauma. You have experienced those things. But like Kelsey was talking about, when we finish those experiences, we walk away from it and we have to be quick to remove the stones. We need to remove the bitterness. We need to remove the anger. We need to remove it. So that why? Because I need to prepare myself for the seed of God's word. Why? Because God wants me glorious. God has designed you and me to be glorious. Because see, the reality of God is your reality. So if you were to look at your life today, would you say that the reality of God and your reality is the same? Because if it's not, then you have to really deal with the issues of your heart. Like people say, man, this church is all about the heart, heart, heart. Well, that's where Paul is saying most of the issues are. See, we, we look to the church to, for our spiritual growth. People blame the pastor about what happens in the marriage. They blame the church about what happens in the family. Why is that? It's because they don't want to deal with the heart. It's their choices. They've corrupted their own life. And then they blame the church. And then they blame, no, no, don't go to that youth group. Don't search. Search is all power. Oh, no, don't, don't go to that. It's all rubbish. Don't go. You can go to the club, but don't go to the search. You can go anywhere else you want, but there, no. Why? Because they will indoctrinate you and they will, no, they will indoctrinate your children, which is a good thing because we're, we're studying God, theology, right? It's good to have good doctrines in us, right? It's good to, see, but the problem is the parents don't want to allow their children to uh, be free-spirited and free-minded where they will challenge the stones, the thorns, and the thistles, and the parents have to change. Why? Because their children are changing. It's a challenge. It's, a, it's like, ah, I, I, I want to hold on to this bitterness. I want to hold on to this anger. I want to hold, but you, you stay back. So literally, we are making our children suffer and, and stay back, right? Our youth group, our, our children, we stay back because I, I'm not progressing. I don't want to progress. So now, the gift that God has given us shouldn't progress. Because we're not willing to deal with the drama that's happening in our lives. So then Jesus goes on to say in verse 23, he says, but he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, a sixty, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, please listen to me now. 
a lot of us deal with our hearts. But the measure in which you deal with your heart determines the measure of the fruit you produce. Because producing fruit is not your responsibility. See, when God gives you seed, the seed of his word, he's giving you, the seed is a, has the capacity of a hundredfold. But the restrictions within an unrenewed mind can cause you to experience 30, 60, or a hundredfold. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Are you okay? So you right now, while you're sitting here, can very quickly analyze. Yeah, this is, yeah, that's, that's what I have in my heart. That I, oh, I entertained gossip. I entertained, oh, I, I sat in a room where people were bad-mouthing life towards global. And, and now suddenly all of this stuff, instead of good seed now, stones were thrown on my soul. And I thought it was, you know, good seed and I received it. And now over a period of time, all of a sudden my heart has become callous now towards the church, callous towards life, towards global, callous towards life group. And I feel like, ah, oh, no, man, no, no, I need to look for another church. And then you go to another church, but you same stones, stones are going there to another church. Another problem that is supposed to be here is gone to another church and become a problem there now. But this church is okay. People are moving on. Why? Because we're very quick to deal with our own heart. And then they can't feel at home there. Then they'll come back here again. And then they hear a message like this. But nobody wants to take the responsibility for their own heart. And I want to encourage you. Take responsibility for your own heart. Kelsey and I really take responsibility for our own heart. And we deal with it. And I'm not saying that we are perfect people in the sense that we do make mistakes and stuff, but we're very quick to acknowledge our mistakes. We're very quick to say, okay, hold on a minute. My insecurities and my fear has restricted my wife from now experiencing the fullness of God. Or her insecurities or her fears have caused me now to live, not live in freedom. Are you with me? Right. I want you to go to James chapter 1. And verses 23 and 24. This is amazing. James 1. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Look at this. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You see, the natural man, even though he looks at himself in the mirror, will walk away. And as soon as he walks away, he forgets what he looks like. So now he needs people to tell him who he is. Or he needs to keep looking in the mirror. Have you ever been in an elevator and you walked in and people are like, <laughs> constantly? It's like they look at you. Hello, good morning, good morning. And then they, they... Constantly. Because the minute they take their eyes off the mirror, they forgot who they were. See, but when you receive the word of God, and you receive, and you're looking into glory, you're looking into, um, into the glory of God, the revelation of who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, what is revealed is imprinted on your heart. You will never forget who he has transformed you into. You will never forget it. And you don't need anyone to affirm you or tell you you're doing good, brother. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, sister. You are on fire for Jesus. No, yeah, I don't need any of that stuff. I know I am on fire for Jesus because Jesus set my heart on fire. You know, I remember... I've experienced the glory of God physically a couple of times in my life. And there was one time um, I, had, I had done something very naughty and I was very condemned. Um, and uh, and uh, we had gone this youth thing and uh, it was in Lonavla. 
And uh, there was all these people there and I knew I had a call of God. I know all this stuff. I know the church stuff. I, and I don't want anything to do with it. You know, that's my hard attitude while I'm there. And uh, while, I'm, while I'm in that place of worship, the, 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 the preaching was so moving that it defined who God had called me to be. The message, the guy, he, he, he pointed, there's someone in this crowd um, who has a call of God on your life. And he's talking, I knew he's talking to me. And he began to talk to me about the glory of God and, and how I was going to experience the glory and, and what my call was. And this is a man by the name of Pastor Johnson Varghese from Bangalore and who, who I got to know really well after, after, after this encounter. And uh, he was talking to me and, and he's just, you know, through the crowd, there's two, three hundred kids there. And, and I just knew it was me. I acknowledged in that moment that God had a call on my life. And, and this is what I was meant to do. And, and all, he literally laid it out in front of all these kids. And he says, who is this person? And so I put my hand up. Even though I didn't want to put my hand up, I put my hand up. Why? Because he had defined who God had called me to be. And so he came through the crowd saying, this is my story. This is my song, Blessed Assurance. He laid his hand on me and literally like, a, like an electric current went through my body and I was out. I was out for three, four hours. I don't remember. I was just out. People couldn't carry me. They just left me. I went to have dinner uh, and I was still there. But this man came to me afterwards and he began to talk to me about the call of God over my life. And he began to talk to me about who God called me to be and what, who I am in the kingdom of God and all that kind of stuff. I got up. The reason why I'm saying this is because I got up and I went to my mom and dad's house because that's where I was living, you know, student. I went to my mom and dad's house. The environment was the same from when I'd left it. I hung out with my friends. They were still the same. I went to the same university. I had the same bike. Everything was the same. But I was different. You understand? I came to, I remember the first time I came home, my mom was having a fasting prayer meeting. And you know, like, like we do in India, we have this fasting one, once a day, once a week, we have Saturday fasting prayer. And so having fasting prayer and my aunt now who, who, who is in Australia was visiting us at that time and she's visiting us and I get into the room and I sit down and I start prophesying over her. Like there was a courage, there was a boldness, there was this ability to see in the spirit, to be able to understand very quickly, give a prophetic word, prophetic word. I prophesied over everybody in the room, but for me, I just knew this is who I am. I was where I went to that meeting dealing with like feeling bad about what I did, but I came out from that meeting completely transformed, not even remembering or having this feeling that I was, I had done something wrong. I stepped out of that place completely different. You must understand when you look into the glory of God and you step away, you will no longer be the same. Your environments may be the same. The business may be the same. The friends may be the same. But you will never be the same. Why? It's because you are looking into the glory that you, that God is destined for you to become. Are you with me? For time's sake. When you read through this moment where Moses is meeting with God in Exodus chapter 33. The Bible says this, that Moses would meet with God or the Lord would talk to Moses like a friend face to face. But this happens in the tabernacle that God told Moses to prepare. Please listen to me very carefully. This, this will really help you a lot. Whenever God wanted to meet with Moses and Moses wanted to meet with God, he would always meet God in the tabernacle. And God would talk to him like a friend face to face. Face to face means the presence. When we talk about the, we love the presence of God, what we're saying is we love the face of God. I love your face, God. When God's presence enters into a room, it's literally his face enters into a room. That's basically what we're saying. I love your face, God. And so Moses would meet with God and he would come out now of those meetings 
fully glorious. His face would shine, right? Now, just for quickly, go quickly to Exodus chapter 33. Just remember, Moses would talk to God face to face, okay? So verse 12 says this, And Moses said to the Lord, See, you say, say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Right? God is talking to the guy face to face. And he's saying, you told me to bring up these people, but you're not telling me who will go with me. (laughs) Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way. Have you heard this before? Show me your way, God, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So God is saying, Moses is saying, who will go with me? God is saying, my presence will go with you. See, but God would meet Moses in the tabernacle. Not for everyone to see. Only for Moses to see. Come on now. Verse 15. Then he said to him, now look at, look at the stones in Moses' heart. Okay? He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? You see, this is the humanity looking at divinity. So, we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. That's very, very interesting. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Then he drops it. And he says, please show me your glory. When Moses was looking at God face to face, he did not recognize it as the glory of God. But Moses was more interested in God's revealing his glory externally. But God is more interested in revealing his glory in your heart. Come on now. If you were listening to my message from the beginning, I was setting you up for this. The reason why you deal with the heart and empty it before you meet with God is because that's the measure that you encounter him with. Are you with me? So the more I remove the flesh, the more of him I have within my heart. Then, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man, no man shall see me and live. That's amazing. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. Come on now. And you shall stand on the rock. So shall it, so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the, lo- the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Amazing. Okay. Moses is asking God, I want to see your glory because his heart is, I want everybody to know that you have chosen us. God is saying, I've chosen you. I will meet with you in the tabernacle. Now you must understand that the tabernacle is you. You're the temple of God. You're the tabernacle of the presence of God. A lot of us want external glory. We want want the manifestation, the gold dust, the gemstones. We want the miracle money, all that stuff happening. And that's good. That will happen as a byproduct of how much of an encounter, how much of glory that you have in your heart of God's presence with you. Are you with me? And so Moses now, 
God is saying to Moses, you cannot see my face for no man shall see my face. But Moses was seeing God's face. Moses was having an encounter looking into the face of God. But see, in the new covenant with us, the privilege is we don't have to look for God externally. We don't have to see the glorious miracles, signs and wonders in order for us to believe. I look into my heart because within my heart, he has deposited his glory. And when I look into the glory, when I behold his face that is within my heart. Now you can determine whether God's heart is 30%, 60% or 100% of your heart. If you hold on to your old man, if you hold on to your offense, your bitterness and all that kind of stuff. You decide now how much of God I want to have in my heart. You decide. So the more you deal with your heart, the more you deal with your culture, your tradition, the more you remove it out of your heart, the bitterness, the anger, the more you remove it out of your heart, now you're receiving more of God's word that contains the glory of God so that now every time you, 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 you receive revelation, you are quick to understand that, ah, this is where I need to live my life from. So if God says you're a new creation, I'm not going to resist myself to believing that I'm a human being trying to become someone divine. I'm living from my divinity. I worship from my divinity. I'm not worshiping to have something from God. I'm worshiping because I have something of God. It's completely different. See, worship aligns us to who God is within our hearts. But how much of God do we have in our hearts? We can come into a room and say, well, you know, I did not experience God today. Well, now you know why. It's not because the worship was good or the worship was not good. Or, well, the sound was good or the sound was not good. Or the AC was right or not right or the colors, whatever. Or the facility took me so long to come here and all that kind of stuff. All of that stuff only reveals your humanity. See, but when you look into your heart, what do you find? Or I'll rephrase it like this. When you look into your heart, who do you find? Because when the father deposits his word in you, your mind, listen to me very carefully. Your mind is the place of encounter. Your mind becomes the place where you experience the reality of God that you have already become. Amen? Let's stand. You did good, church. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? <clears throat> Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word reveals your glory to us. But you are so amazing. You are so good, God, that you don't just reveal to us who we're becoming, but who we have already become. And we thank you, Father, that you while our people are sitting in this room and while our people are watching online, that you are identifying areas of our heart that still has the old man living in it. The old ways of thinking, the old ways of doing things. So Father, right now, we just pray that you would just open our hearts. Reveal to us the stony ground. Reveal to us the thorns and the thistles. Reveal to us the, the wayside of our heart, Father. We desire to be more like you, God. We desire in our heart to be more and more like you. We know that you've called us to be transformed into your image and likeness. And so today, God, we stand here 
not just as human beings desiring transformation but we stand here today as divine beings desiring to be transformed into a progressive revelation that you're revealing over us God Father I thank you that who we are today is not who we will be tomorrow because you are constantly revealing through your word Father your word says that man shall not live on bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God And so today God we just stand here before you God desiring for you to define the new creation to us Father we know that you're a good father you love us you don't condemn us for holding on to our past holding on to bitterness and anger so today God we just release it right now so the lord is just beginning to reveal to you errors of your heart that you need to re- release right now bitterness things that your husband or your wife did or said you need to release it things that that your mom and dad have said or done you need to release it things that your country did things that politicians did things that pastors did things that churches have done people have done you have to release it people have stole money from you people have um, stolen your dignity people have brought harm to you people have hurt you physically people have abused you whatever it is today i want you to let it go because it is the very thing that is hindering you from experiencing the fullness of the reality of a good father so right now in your own way in your own words just begin to call it out and release it just release it father i release this to you i release this i remove this out of my heart come on church just begin to open your mouth just begin to release it right now traditions just the lord is just revealing you know there's religion in our hearts some of us have come from religions you know into christianity and some of us have always been in christianity and the law has really been a hindrance in us and it's been a veil in our hearts the lord is just saying just release that to me today just let it go let it go release the culture release the tradition you're a new creation you're a new creation in christ you're a new creation in Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's some people in the room that have carried so much of bitterness from experiencing a broken marriage. And it's made you callous, it's made you hard, it's made you emotionless, it made you you don't feel empathy, you don't feel joy anymore. I just feel the Lord releasing you right now. The Lord is releasing you right now to let it go. Let that person go. Don't hold vengeance. It's not yours. It's the Lord's. Let it go. Children who have had very, very strict parents because of legalism or fear have grown up with so much of fear. Fear is their second nature. The Lord is just releasing you right now into freedom. The Lord is setting you free right now. Setting you free right now. Setting you free. Some of us have not experienced having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus some of us have not experienced we've had an experience of church and we've had a relationship with church but we've not had a relationship with God as our heavenly father and i want you to know that jesus says that i am jesus is the way the truth and the life and no one can go to the father but through jesus and so today i want to encourage you 
to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Allow Jesus to rescue you. You can't deal with these problems in your heart unless Jesus takes it away. He has paid the price for you. And right now, I want you to just in your own way, just reach out to Jesus and say, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to become my savior. I ask you to make a way. You are the way to the father. I want to have a relationship with God as my father. No longer am I going to have a relationship with religion, but I want to have a relationship with you as my father. So in your own way, I want you to either commit your heart to God or recommit your heart to God today in this moment that that God now becomes your father. and that your life from this day on is glorious i want to declare over you that your life is glorious from this day on 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 thank you father 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 thank you for healing hearts Thank you for replacing the wounds with perfect love. Thank you for replacing fear with perfect love. Thank you, Father. I want you to say this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is no longer I who lives but Christ who lives in me and the life that i now live i live by the faith of the son of god who lived and died as me amen